Hey guys, it's the Out of Focus Podcast, episode 47, with your host, Will Malone. In this episode, I talk to my friend and chief legal analyst of the Out of Focus Podcast, Greg Steele. He returns after, uh, I guess, it feels like he was on here semi-recently, but that was episode 12. That We realized that was episode 12. So uh, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, we had a great conversation about um, place, about you know the idea of moving to a big city um, versus moving to a small town, um, just things that we were taught in school and just the expectation of being successful requiring living somewhere else. And then the balance of you know, community and spirituality versus career and all that stuff. It, it, very interesting conversation. Got deep in a way um, that uh, we 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 haven't gotten uh, on this podcast in a little bit. But yeah, really interesting conversation. It was good. Good to hang out with him. Good to have this uh, fun conversation. He uh, later talks about legal tech and the community around legal technology for you know lawyers and stuff. So pretty interesting. Some good stuff here. I'm dropping it a bit early for you, just in case you wanted to listen to it on your drive to Thanksgiving. I heard this is going to be the highest traffic, uh, well, the highest uh, like amount of travel for Thanksgiving. It's it's slated to be the highest year of Thanksgiving travel since 2005, which is pretty insane. I don't know what that means. I guess air travel, driving. We are going to be driving to Florida to go visit my mother, so... Um, yeah, kind of interesting stuff. And have have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, this is crazy. It's Thanksgiving. We're here. Christmas is a month away. It's just, it's unbelievable. Time is moving at a ridiculous speed. Uh, as usual, you'll get the Out of Focus newsletter this week. Um, it will be sent to you as scheduled on Friday, if only if you are signed up. You can follow me on Instagram. I'll be posting along the way. And now on TikTok. Check out my TikTok. It's at Will Malone. TikTok is fun. I'm crazy addicted to TikTok. I talked a bit about that in episode 46. So if you want to know more about the TikTok situation over here, go listen to episode 46. also wrote something in last week's Out of Focus newsletter about how it's changed my perception of social media and just my understanding of why we're on social media and why we just keep scrolling no matter what. Anyway, I'm going to leave you here because this is a great episode, and uh, I want you to listen to it. So anyways, have a happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for all of you. Um, I'm thankful for just everything in life. I, I have a good life, and I'm, I'm just thankful. Um, and yeah, uh, excited to, uh, to have a couple days of rest. So to you and yours, have a great Thanksgiving, and I will see you soon. of doing video but like again you you're helpful in reminding me that it's about being authentic it's not about the medium because i tend to get really into the weeds on like i listened to i told you about the lawyer podcast i was like this is what you need to do for seo and this is what you need to do and you need to be publishing these things to youtube and these things to wherever um and at the end of the day it's like just be yourself 
Exactly. Okay, I think this should work. Right. Again, new sound system is a pain. Um, but it's a lot better. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just knew how to do the other one better, so I feel like... Uh, uh, what's what's going on? I actually did not prepare for this at all. So did you uh, already press play? You're already. I was. I recorded that whole sound check. Oh wow! So yeah, you you, you outed me though. I usually like to just kind of slide in here. Ho- hopefully, like you you edit some of that out. No, I it's all like going to get made, edited out. I just because I feel like I made some disparaging comments about <laughs> random <laughs> no, people. Well, I didn't. I wasn't recording at that point. Well, I, I, I've recorded for the last like okay. three minutes, basically. Okay. Well, it yeah. doesn't surprise me that you haven't prepared because this is basically <laughs> no, no, it's not on you. It's on me. Okay. Like, so we did that podcast a long time ago on the antitrust and social media and mm-hmm. lawyer advertising, and then you asked Janessa to be on, and then yes. I listened to Janessa's podcast, and I was like, "This is amazing. I can't <laughs> top it." But I also felt really disappointed in my like last showing, so I wanted to come back to outdo myself from the last time so i was basically like will put me on your podcast again you need to have me on your podcast again even though well know, what, what do you what did you come here for what do you got to talk about i want to talk about the value of place oh okay okay we're doing this all right so, so you actually had a plan i did yes okay. and and we uh and i had mentioned you know i want to talk about place um and kind of like talk about because i feel also like the last time we talked i we were just you were starting the podcast and we were kind of earlier in our friendship and you were like, I'm really interested in this antitrust social media, Facebook thing. And I was like, well, I, he, this is what he asked me to talk about. So yeah, I yeah. should probably talk about it. But now I feel comfortable enough in our friendship to say, this is what I want to talk about. Let's talk about it. Sorry, I'm taking on my jacket here. Uh, I wasn't riding. Yeah, I wasn't riding the wave of just a fluid conversation. Uh, that was a. Uh, that was episode twelve. Yeah, this literally. will be episode forty-seven. Wow, man! So you've yeah. come a long way. I, I hopefully, I would hope. It's but, a really yeah. good podcast. Janessa loves it. My parents now love it. Now that they oh, listened listen to Janessa's episode, so Janessa's was a good episode. It was an excellent episode. It was a good episode. I I do feel, and I I don't know this for sure, but I feel like I've had someone listen to the podcast and subtweet me <laughs> on the my my problematic opinion about the American dream uh-huh. <laughs> about how I but I I said. I said hyperbolically, as I am wont to do, that the American dream sucks. I don't think America sucks. I just basically was referring to the idea of yeah. working, retiring, you know, and like working for retirement right. and that kind of concept. Yeah. That's what I meant. But I, I feel like I've seen a couple people now like say things. I don't want to say that it's, you know, they're referring to me and live in that kind of like delusional world, <laughs> but it was pretty it was worded in a way to where it felt that way so i'm just i this was a thing that i realized today i was like is that because like that, that was literally my last episode uh before like the last one i've released and uh since we're doing this recording um but uh but yeah it was just it was convenient that's all i'm saying well that's actually a great segue into like my talk about place okay and why i want okay. to talk about place because i feel like I felt really weird for years mm-hmm. um, in what I wanted to do with my life. And I, for the past like five years, 
you mentioned last time I was on, I'm a lawyer here in Anderson, South Carolina. And as you also know from being my friend, I'm Anderson's biggest cheerleader. You um, also had a different job last time we talked. I did. I, I, I intentionally moved jobs so that I could be in Anderson full time. Like my, my last job, I was practicing mm-hmm. in Anderson County some, but it was a regional job and my office was in Greenville and I made a move from that job that I loved. That was right. a good job to another job uh, specifically because I wanted to be in Anderson and be in this place. And I felt really weird about that for a long time because people are like, why do you want to move back to your small hometown? Like when you go to law school and you do a federal clerkship, which is what the first thing I did out of law school, it was like, no, you, you go, there's a path. So you clerk for one to two years, you go to Atlanta, you take, well, out of, I went to UGA for law Mm -hmm. school. So that's the big city you go to. You go to Atlanta, you take the clerkship bonus that the big firm offers you and you go work for probably at this point, three, four times what I'm making as now I'm an Anderson County DSS lawyer. I do child and adult protective services um, and represent the state agency in, in those cases. Yeah. And th- that that's like what you do, because that's the American dream, right? You go to law school, you try to finish as close to the top of the, your class as you can. If you're lucky enough to get a federal clerkship, you go clerk for a federal judge and then you go make a bunch of money doing quote unquote interesting important work for corporations who pay you a lot of money in a big city and i just never wanted to do that because i loved this place so much Mm -hmm. and it, it was weird having everyone around me being like you're wanting the wrong things you don't want the american dream you don't want like a lot more money you want to like move back to your hometown and move in behind Mm. your parents and like do this small town lawyer thing but that's been my driving passion for the past five years i think there's value in that that people miss out on when they are so zeroed in on the whole american dream concept moving up the corporate ladder yeah so i guess i guess too that's i guess that's problematic that we even refer to the american dream as a singular thing because yeah. it's it's really not. It's like the American dream basically equals whatever you make of it, right? Yeah, um, I guess so. Because I don't think necessarily the American dream requires you to abandon your home, right? I mean, I think that I think that that's the the flashy Hollywood dream that we were raised to believe. But I don't know if I don't know if that necessarily describes the dream of everyone, right? Yeah, and and that uh, that's a problem with the term too is. Like it right. paints in broad brushes, right? Yes. Like it's the white picket fence, the house, the yes. two point five kids, golden retriever. Two point five is that a thing? Is that a statistic? That, well, no, that's always the joke because that oh. it was somewhere around two point three or two point five is the average number of kids oh, a family gotcha. in America has. So, okay. I've always heard the joke when people are speaking derogatorily about the American dream. Two point five kids. Two point five kids. Fence. White picket fence. Yeah. Golden retriever. And then retire. Yeah. Yeah. And then go off into nothingness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too reductive of all that either. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't want to be the guy that like makes people mad by I, I love America personally, so I also love America. It's I I've so, always said it's so, the best place on earth. And this is where me and you really differ in a lot of ways because like I don't have a hometown right. really. I grew up my childhood was mostly in Hawaii, but I've lived in other places as a kid and uh i don't go back to hawaii very often so um you know home is where 
I am essentially at the time. Right. So like to me, I've always said to people like I don't really care where I live, just short of Baghdad. Like I don't necessarily want to go like <laughs> to like a war zone or whatever. But generally, any place I can make it work for myself, you know. And I think I think that's valuable too. And and goes to your point of not everyone wants the same things, not everyone values the same things. But I've found in my experience that I think people really undervalue place, um, particularly for starting a business or for just being connected in the community, you know, like you're, you're doing your photography thing. You're rocking it. You're making your place in this world. Trying, trying Um, to rock. (laughs) And, and in some ways the photography can be a place driven business or it can be not as place driven. And, and you have the flexibility to do a little more wide range of things with that. But I think people really undervalue kind of what it, what going home does for you and moving forward in your career and your life, because you're, you're really well known at home, right? Like when I walk into a courthouse in Anderson and I introduce myself and I say my last name, my dad was a County magistrate here for 25 years they're like, they're like, oh, you're you're Judge Steele, son, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, Judge Steele, son, I'm coming back, and all of a sudden my foot's in the door, the door's right. open, and it doesn't mean that I, I have to walk through that door myself. I have to establish my own reputation. If I do bad legal work and I'm a bad lawyer, people aren't going to give me the benefit of the doubt. But it's right. also all of a sudden they're they're willing to say, okay, I know you, I know your family, I know. You've been in Anderson for a long time. I get you. I I automatically assume you get me. I automatically assume that you're you're going to do fairly competent work. If you make a mistake, I might give you the benefit of the doubt more than if, you know, you're some Joe Blow off the street. And I and I think that's deeply undervalued in in place. Uh it, well, place is deeply undervalued for those reasons. Like we have this amazing network of people if if like me you grew up your entire 18 years in one place all of a sudden you have this entire network that you can step back into but the idea is my my friends from high school most of them who went off and got college degrees are somewhere else because that's that's the idea it's like okay if you come from a smaller town maybe you might get stuck here and that being stuck here might be good. You might go to a local tech school and you might become an electrician or a plumber or you might get a job at the local manufacturing plant. But if you go off to college and get any form of four-year degree higher education or particularly a law degree, you're going to go where you're, you can advance your career. And I just think that is just wrong in some ways. There's ways that you can advance your career by not doing that. And you're also missing out on many other valuable things when you put career over place. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, yeah, I I think it's very unfulfilling to think in terms of career really, because like you and I both know that community is where real fulfillment is found. Actually, um, that is, that's something that I actually really discovered over the past few years is that, an absence of community is actually a pretty awful thing and is pretty, pretty miserable. And it, 
you kind of lose your footing on this earth as to like why you are doing things or, you know, where you are in, in relation to other people, you know? Um, and I found because I have begun to somewhat value place a little bit more as I live here because we have founded a community here right. and very quickly too. Mm -hmm. And what's funny about here is that I kind of, I mean, like, I feel like today, for instance, I went to, this gets boring for people who aren't from around here, I guess, talking about, <laughs> like, specific geographical location. But Well, when you brought me on, you should know you're going to get some inside baseball on Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, today, for instance, I uh, went to Greenville and Anderson. I've, I've been to both today. I have done work in both places. And to me, they just seem like the same place, right? Like... I just think of upstate South Carolina generally because some days I have to do a job like an hour from here. And that's still, that's the funny thing about this area is you can't charge for travel as long as you're in <laughs> upstate South Carolina. So I can drive an hour and a half and still like, you know, cannot charge anybody for that. Right. Because it's like, Oh, it's just right down the road, you know, right. um, which is weird about this place. I will say, but like, you have this like divide between of, like of Anderson and Greenville that I, I really just don't because I'm just kind of an outsider, but I've, I understand where you're coming from and the differences between the two places. And I don't really want to get into that whole thing because I like both places, but uh, it and is. I, and after, you know, much reflection and, and tempering of my own, the worst of myself, I can acknowledge that, both Greenville and Anderson have valuable things to offer to the world, even though Anderson yeah. is the greatest place on, on earth. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's true, uh, in, in my opinion, but <laughs> is it being the greatest place on earth? But I'm glad, I'm glad you believe that. <laughs> and, and to your point about community, I mean, that, that's what drove us, Janessa and I to Anderson. We were in, spent two years in, um, Augusta, Georgia, and really struggled to plug into community and find strong community there. And by the end of that, we said the top priority has to be community for us. Mm -hmm. And I have family here. Um, we would come back and we had developed friendships. Um, we had been visiting a church here. And by about six months till the time frame ended, um, my, my job with a federal judge was ending. Janessa's school was ending. We had said it's going to be Anderson or bus. It has that community that we want. And we actually went under contract on our house in mm -hmm. Anderson before either of us had jobs. We just said, this is the place we will find jobs. We will commute wherever we need to go to get yeah. a job. But Anderson is it. Um, sure. and, and I think community is a huge part of that place. And that, that is part of the value of really investing in a place is, is all of a sudden, you do have this sense of community. You do have a love, a shared love of place that, you know, if I, I run into a random person on the street in downtown Anderson, like we're both in Anderson. Right. And, and there's that shared sense of community. I think Anderson does a good job of trying to cultivate that too, as a city um, and as a County, but it, you have that and that's really cool and important. And I've, as I've had conversations with friends who don't have that community, um, it's it's much harder for them. And yeah. they're really struggling a lot more. And we really struggled when we struggled to find that um, in um, 
in uh, Augusta. Can my, <laughs> yes. Speaking of community, my yeah. mom is calling me and repeatedly calling me, so okay. I need to. That's fine. Community take this call. Yeah. So there you go. Speaking of community, this is the the great problem and of community and living behind your parents is that uh, they call you at all hours. But actually it's a wonderful thing. We love yeah. being so close and having, being able to be there when they need us and for them to be there for us when we need them. Yeah. And that's too, I've, I feel like I've somewhat recently fully made the decision to not go move, at least in this season of my life to go move and pursue what I want to pursue in a big city. And I've been tempted on many occasions. But it's that lack of community, which you can find friends, but typically in a big city, everybody's after the same thing. Yeah. Which is not meaning like everybody's busy, right? Yeah. Um, and so also too, it's like there's a self-awareness thing with where can I operate easier and more freely and like what do I really want? Do I want a ton of money, which you you stand to you risk more but get a higher reward in a bigger city yeah. um, financially. Um, but do you get freedom? I, I don't, I don't know if I think I, you, you would get that necessarily. I feel like you're kind of always, not to say it's bad to live in a big city, but you know what I mean? Like you're, 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 you're having to serve where you are to some extent. And I think me in my life, I don't think I'm willing to do that. I like rather being like this traveling circus (laughs) and going there on occasion Right. But I like having a home base in a place that I have a little more control over. Yeah. I, I'm definitely with you there. And and that's even more true in the legal field. Janessa and I were driving back through Atlanta this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we were visiting some friends in Alabama who um, are in grad school there. And as we were driving through Atlanta and at like a standstill in downtown Atlanta on the interstate because you can't go anywhere in the southeast without going through Atlanta. Right. Um, it, we were talking about, man, it would be, our lives would be pretty miserable here because as a lawyer, my hours would be way longer than they are right now. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, by expectation and by work volume and all those things, mm-hmm. I would probably spend 95% of my days working or driving, sitting yeah. in the car and I wouldn't really have time for anything else. And and a lot of that extra money would go to getting takeout at my desk or going across the street to the closest cafe to grab lunch because I don't have time to make my lunch. Yeah. I don't have time to do anything. You know, and the trading income for time and freedom, I think, is a great trade-off yeah. in the end. Yeah, I well... I and I feel like I've gone the farther the other direction <laughs> in that I'm like I'm like full on like wanting to live in the woods now. <laughs> and it's it's something that would be unthinkable to me even 2 years ago. But after doing it for the past few months, I realized like this sounds a little goofy, but how much more centered of a person I am, like how much more focus I have, less noise and distraction and there's something a little spiritual about it that I, I've really grown to be like, I think my blood pressure is manageable here. (laughs) And there was a point, even in a place like Chattanooga where it was like, 
you know, I'd lose my mind in traffic or whatever. And it's Chattanooga. It's not Atlanta. It's not right. L.A. Um, but, like, then when I get to go to L.A. like I did a few weeks ago, it's like, this is great. This is nice. A little change of scenery. But then I go back and I can kind of just, like, breathe, you know. And there's nothing keeping us now in this modern world from doing anything we want wherever we want. Right. Really. I mean, I've I'm somehow cobbled together this podcast and a business without constant internet connection and living in the middle of nowhere. Um and it's actually been really nice. It's frustrating some days. You're like, "Oh, I got to drive like 30 places." But like you kind of figure out how to make it work and then you're like, "Well, do I need to watch Netflix now?" No. I don't have to. It's like I'm not constantly plugged in anymore. Yeah, and I think a lot of people what they want the the being able to do anything from anywhere ends up leading people to the very places that give them the least freedom to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well I can be a f- I, I can work from home. I can do this IT job or this that that's the one that comes to mind a lot of friends who are mm-hmm. in that um, I can do this from anywhere, so I'm going to do it somewhere that I I think I'm going to love, but then it ends up taking them into a place that is not, you don't have the connections to community. You don't have um, the ability to, to have face-to-face interactions. And I think that's the other danger of like our world right now. And what I love about being here in Anderson is I get to have face-to-face interactions with people on a very regular basis. You know, if you're working from home as a freelance coder or marketing person or whatever, there's a good chance that you could just be at home all day. The only way you're communicating with people are via the internet or phone or video chat. And all of a sudden that in that case really doesn't matter where you live because there's nothing special about what you're doing in that place. Um, which is why I think that's one of the reasons millennials have a lot of increased rates of, of suicide, depression, anxiety. I think we have a lack of community. And I think the lack of community, we, we've developed these communities online, but they're not as real as real communities right. where you're face-to-face with someone else. You're developing a relationship and life together over reading body language and talking with each other and engaging with each other and in more than just through a screen or or through messaging. And I think that's really important. And part of what I love about being here is that I get to do that on a very regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I could talk about a lot of what you just said, but the, I think that's part of a lot of the issue with our country right now Mm. is the, fact that we and I've, I've heard this said in different ways on many podcasts but it really makes sense like the idea that we're not we're looking at the top as in like you know the president and all that stuff yeah. instead of looking from the bottom up yeah and that's like a huge issue because i guarantee no one knows what's going on in their local elections yeah and part of the reason there's a lot of small town corruption i think too <laughs> like you know in places i'm not saying here but i'm saying like there that's like a common like plot line in television is like the you know crooked sheriff and whatever but um but you know like there's and because people just don't care like people don't think about that kind of stuff and i think 
having more Greg Steels would be more valuable <laughs> and having people passionate about their small town they live in and not like the keep wherever weird people. I don't like those people. Those, <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, Keep they, Chattanooga weird. Keep Austin yeah. weird. Keep Yeah, because then it's Seattle not weird, weird anymore at a certain point. You know? Yeah. If you're going to keep saying every town's weird, then they're not weird. But um, Portland, isn't Portland another one? I feel like yeah, Portland. Portland's like the main one. I the think. main weird yeah, one, the like head honcho weird place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is it is funny like how if we like our I feel like our uh, <laughs> I heard I heard man I listened to a podcast today and it was this Russian immigrant and he was talking about how he feels like this country is really trying hard to make everything the same right now, mm. and it's true. It's like you go to all these different cities and like everything has like a Trader Joe's and a Chipotle and a Starbucks. And it's like generally like it's getting harder and harder to find individual personality in different towns. Yeah. And I think it's that small town pride that would make this country far more interesting and vibrant. And I feel like we're really trying our best to make sure it kind of becomes a homogenous yet not communal place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of, uh, the the whole Anderson Greenville rivalry thing. I think a lot of local Anderson people. I grew up with that. Like my my dad telling me very regularly, "Why do you want to go to Greenville for anything? You can right. get whatever you would ever need in Anderson. You don't want to be a Greenville person. You want to be an Anderson person. And even you know if you went to Greenville for things but lived in Anderson County, you were still a Greenville person. Whereas if you like mm-hmm. went to Anderson for things, you were an Anderson person. So like your in-laws would be Anderson people because even though they lived in Belton and were about equidistance from Greenville and Anderson, they came to Anderson for everything. Right. So they're like good salt of the earth Anderson people. (laughs) But I think some of that like rivalry, this strange rivalry that you alluded to is part of what gives Anderson its unique, distinct um, character is people are really proud of being here. So it means that, during the summer, they have these like Thursday night block parties where all these random local bands that you've never heard of, um, unless you're from Anderson, play mm-hmm. in the park on Thursday nights. And the whole community will be there. The downtown will be packed out. You will not be able to find parking. The entire park where the band is playing will be covered with lawn chairs and people, and people will right. be standing up in the back. And, and you know, not every Anderson's not tiny, but it's also not huge. And, and a lot of towns anderson size you see shrinking more because you don't have that sense of community pride and sense of community buy-in but for some reason people around here really get that and and i've bought into that a hundred percent too and and as part of the reason i'm so passionate about it is i think we have a lot to value here and we're not just the greenville suburbs we're not just some other town that that where people live and commute somewhere else and that's kind of slowly dying off. Now we're right. a, a vibrant town that's growing and that is really invested in capturing that character and making sure that we're distinctive. Which is funny because like I've lived now in two places that like really have a lot of pride for themselves. Chattanooga is very similar. Yeah. But before that I lived in Hawaii who won it really generally I would say didn't want people to come in. They wanted to preserve what they had already. And I would say, especially like keep tourists out, that kind of thing, even though Mm. it's run by a tourist industry, like the town I lived in, for instance, like didn't want 
tourists running rampant everywhere, right? And so there was like, let's let's keep our community a certain way. But Chattanooga and Greenville are like, hey, we're so awesome, come here, yeah. right? Like, and it's 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 a totally different like vibe. And and Chattanooga has like gone off the rails with that. Like every, every oh, yeah. time I go to Chattanooga, every like few months, it's like looks different. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, just in the past year, you know. Um, and again, I don't want to talk about specific places and bore people right. not from yeah. here. Um, but you know, it, there is like you could go on all day about like how general generationally, like all this stuff is changing. Yeah, and I think there probably is a resurgence. Reasons why Chattanooga and Greenville and Asheville and Nashville and all those places are like r- having a resurgence is probably because of people realizing I don't really want to live in New York City yeah. like, or I don't want to have to go to LA, right? Like I like it here, you know? And so finding your own little pocket of the earth is, uh, is kind of nice. I mean, not everybody's meant to go to New York City yeah. and th- th- that shouldn't be the only option for like a lawyer who wants to hit it big. Yeah. And also you just have uh, less of a footprint necessary here too. Like yeah. your cost of living is just lower. So yeah. it's just like way, it's really, you have to do a lot less to do a lot more. You know, you have to do a lot less footwork to have a better reward here than you would in like New York city yeah. where, you know, everything's just way more expensive. So as much as it pains me to say, because I talk like this is not true. I'm, I'm not all about everyone should move to Anderson though. I sometimes like talk no, like that. Anderson's a bit closed-minded, I think, I, in that it doesn't necessarily want everyone. It to come it here. does not. Yeah. I, I I repeatedly say it's the greatest place on earth. But what what I am trying to say in talking about place and connectedness and community and all these buzzwords that we're using today is I I think people should try really hard to find those things and prioritize those things over things like career, money the American dream to circle back to the beginning of our podcast. These things that we're told kind of this, these are the things you go at after you, you move for jobs, mm-hmm. like wherever you're going to get the best job. That's where you move to wherever you're going to make the most money. That's the job you take. Um, instead think about where can I find the best community for me? What, yeah. where is, is going to, really help me grow as a person, help me grow in my profession and my craft is going to be supportive to me and can, and bring me connectedness and me- good mental health, happiness. Um, where's going to bring me community? Where, why don't we put those things at the top of the list place yeah. and community and connectedness over money, prestige, power those things it's like when i talk to your wife like why don't we put mental health ahead of physical health yeah because don't you need to get that figured out before you get the other stuff worked out in a lot of ways for a lot of situations like it i feel like we're so programmed in this mindset of i mean we're still in a young country there was a time where you just had to move to where they were chopping wood but now literally wood is chopped everywhere and (laughs) the internet has made that even more the case. We live in a country of obscene wealth. Yeah. Like even in a town like Anderson, which is a smaller Southern town, there's, I mean, there's you, I mean, people live in the middle of nowhere and have 
you know, businesses, freelance businesses, whatever. That's what I'm attempting to do, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, like, it's a different time now. So, like, the idea of place, we could put more priority on community and, like, that kind of thing, this valuable human interactions we need to have better lives. Right. So why don't we? Like, why, why are we still acting as if, like, if I don't go here, I will starve to death? Right. Right? And that's what I'm the biggest evangelist of. It's yeah. like, you you should go where you're going to find community and connectedness. That That is what is top priority. And, and I don't know why people don't get that. I mean, as you said, yeah. it's not what our... And I think for so long, it hasn't been a value. You know, our mm-hmm. the last several generations, um, our parents' generation, e- even depending on how old your grandparents are and how old mm-hmm. are your parents, some, somewhere kind of think a little post-boomer, kind of boomer and post-boomer era, um, we, we put a much higher value on income and wealth and having those things and kind of devalued place more. And that's only increased over time, that value of, of money. So people just kind of hear it and and they buy into it without questioning it. It's like, this is what I'm supposed to want. This is the thing I'm supposed to do. I had a, um, a friend or several friends in from undergrad and law school who've gone on to get their legal degrees and, and they went into law school with a specific thing in mind. Um, generally kind of humanitarian, some sort of helping people type thing. And, and many, if not most of those people that I've talked to have ended up in large corporate firms in Atlanta, in New York city, in Washington, Mm -hmm. DC, because once they got into law school, that was what they were hearing from the career development office, from professors, from every guest lawyer that graduated from the school and came back and spoke at a luncheon. Everything was like, that's where to start. If you're really like, be miserable for five years, but it'll get you the money you need to do what you actually want. It will get you the experience you need to do what you actually want. Just tough it out. And and instead I've seen a lot of them get stuck. Um, and all of a sudden when you have a nice house in the suburbs with two Mercedes and two kids and a golden retriever, it becomes much harder to give up that income to do something else. Right. Um, so I think a lot of it is just, those are the voices we are hearing and we need to hear more voices and we need to be more voices that say, no, those aren't going to be our preeminent values. We're going to have different values. Yeah. And I don't think it's wrong to live in a city or do any of that. I think it's, it's it's a person to person thing. I think think it just depends on who you are and your personality. Cause some people probably function better in the noise of New York city than the woods or whatever. And just, I mean, that's, that's fine. It's, it's just, we shouldn't, no one should feel shame for not wanting that. Right. Yeah. And like the thing that I keep questioning in myself is why do I keep doing like, keep turning my life in total service of this idea of, um, what is to some extent an ego driven idea of career. Yeah. Um, that's a big chunk of it. Not all, not all of it, but there's a huge chunk of ego in that, and I'm I'm making everything form to that, in, and and cutting corners around community and relationships and spirituality in service of that idea yeah. of career, and I think that you know you can't really have your cake and eat it too, 
right to some yeah. extent but like why don't we chop feel safer in chopping more out of our career in service of the community and spirituality right absolutely and that's that is that's been something i've really been debating on this year because it's like it sounds crazy culturally yeah. to say any of that like it's a crazy idea why would you do that especially especially in the face of a, an older generation that literally had to work harder for every little thing they had yeah. right like and it was more about surviving and it was more about you know you had like if you didn't work today you didn't eat and work and finances are still important but we have way way more luxury than we used to have yeah i like i get an iced coffee every day you know our grandparents wouldn't have even thought to do iced coffee. They just needed coffee, right? Like they didn't need to make it fancy, you know? <laughs> I live a fancy existence and I'm not super well off, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I can order food to my door, you know, like with my phone. I can, you know, like watch Netflix all the time. Do right? they deliver out to the woods? No, not the not currently where I live. And maybe this is what's it's made me a more patient person to not feel like I can have everything right now, I guess. But um there's a lot of personal things I'm working through this year that uh living in i'm not in the middle of nowhere i I don't want to say that ann and i drove out in the desert i actually truly now understand what the middle (laughs) of nowhere is like driving four hours to get anywhere right like we saw we would see these houses in the desert and we're like there's nothing here for two hours like you have like there's nothing and and if there is it's a gas station (laughs) like it's just mind-blowing like that people live out that far so that's really the middle of nowhere where we live isn't but. that cracked me up um the podcast s town that was like a spinoff of serial yeah. this new york guy comes down to alabama and is like he talks about this town woodstock is where it's set and he's like it's in the middle of nowhere alabama and we were actually driving through alabama and it's 30 minutes from tuscaloosa and 30 minutes from birmingham right and it's like <laughs> no like no. maybe no middle of nowhere for some someone in new york city but this is yeah. Not that far, thirty Ugh. minutes to two decent sized city, like a college town in a the one of the largest cities in Alabama. Yeah, go to West Texas or Alaska. Yeah, and and tell me what the middle of nowhere is there. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that's I think how photography has changed my view of everything too. Is that I really do like something about every place I have ever gone. Mm-hmm. There's something that I appreciate, even. Even Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I'm sure I could find something I like about it. Um, maybe, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, like, I like I, I have a very open mind when it comes to places. Um, because I'm like, when I moved here from Hawaii, there was something, it's super different, but there was something I was kind of like, you know, there's something really nice about it over here. You know, there's something, like, I can drive as far as I want out <laughs> here, you know? Um I was talking to a friend the other day um, in Hawaii, and he was he was talking about how you know it can kind of get to you living in the middle of the Pacific, and that was something I just didn't understand because I was a kid when I lived there most of the time, right. so I didn't really know any better. But thinking about it now, I'm like, man, after I can drove to California from here, it's like, yeah, that would actually like bother me that I couldn't just hop in a car and drive wherever I wanted. Like, there's something to that. So I, I think really what I'm looking for is is freedom at the end of the day. And I feel like here really provides that for my career, but also like I'm starting to not think in terms of that's the most important thing in my life. 
Yeah. Right? Which is weird to say. And it feels like a death stroke to my life. But I, it is super important. But I don't, I don't want it to occupy as much space in my brain as it has been. I think that's a good thing. I think yeah. that's a healthy thing. Yeah. And something that, like, I've tried to work really hard at. It's hard not to think about it all the time. It is. And have it, like, color every single thing you think about all the time. That is true. I I still, like, even when I argue with my wife, Janessa, like, I'll sometimes, like, slip into cross-examining her. And, <laughs> like, that's just part of part of thinking at whatever your craft is, you're going to, in some ways, always see the world that way. But I think yeah. also it can be you can take a step back from that and you can go be with people who are different than you, who aren't thinking about the same things as you, who can talk about different things, who can bring you into their world. Um, and that's one of the things I've loved about becoming friends with you is like photography, is something totally foreign to me and that yeah. I have no link to um, my one attempt at using a wide angle lens on even the iPhone was like <laughs> you deemed it the worst photo ever taken. Well, it was mo- mostly because uh, I was posed in a very unflattering way. And, you know, that, that yeah. I have to look good for my audience, man. Uh, uh, well, even though I reposted it, I don't really care that much. <laughs> but yeah, you help me think about the world in a different way and get out of my head. It maybe if there's a day when I have five hearings that I'm really thinking about how am I going to question this witness? How am I going to question that witness? And I'm even thinking about, am I going to be able to go to bed and wake up? Like I can come and we can hang out and talk and I can hear about what's going on with your business or with your photography or whatever you're thinking about. And it kind of takes me out of that. And that again is part of why I love the idea of face-to-face interaction. Because also if you, if you just are doing that through a phone, like I can always just silence you and not answer respond to your text and continue right. thinking about whatever I'm thinking about. But if you're blocking out two hours to be with someone who's different than you and, and who's thinking about different things than you, like you might talk about what's going on with you and you might talk about what's going on with them, but likely at the end of that time, you're both going to be brought out of whatever you're mulling and into something bigger than yourself, which yeah, again, value of place, community and relationships is that, the world is bigger than you. Yeah, should we, I mean, should we focus so much on making, like, conversations more efficient? I don't think so. I think I think there's some conversations that deserve more length than kind of just, like, I don't know, we throw a lot of things back and forth, and, like, me and you, you yeah. know? And we can go on for hours to the <laughs> chagrin of our wives. You yes. Know? You just leave us in here with a bottle of bourbon and, you know, yeah. Like they have to tell us to like we we usually watch Succession together yep. or Billions, yes, some show two. about New York rich people, right? Which you know that that fills the whole of big city life for us, really. I think right um, is is watching you know a realistic depiction of big city life in, right in every case, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but you know they have to tell us to like keep playing the show or else we'll never leave because we pause it and then end up having a conversation about something that just happened. Yeah. I think that's super valuable. I think yeah. we're a couple of talkative guys, but sure. I think I think it's something really valuable because you don't know what that thing is we're going to mention in conversation that could lead to like, holy cow, I never thought of that. Right. Like, why didn't I think this way? And that's like just me, how I live and see the world is like the reason 
having a podcast has been so valuable is like afterward is like holy cow i never saw things that way yeah. and it's like it like i have epiphanies and it really like it gets my world moving in a way that's far far more fulfilling and i feel like it it's getting me it's it's helping me create a, a depth in what i'm doing and i just really enjoy it and i think that we don't need to trade that for just quick conversations or shallow whatever and i'm not an old man i'm not you know anti-texting or anything i well, use social media all the time i mean yeah you post more on instagram than any any other person i follow yeah yeah that's which true. is a good thing i enjoy your stories and pictures of kevin and videos of kevin <laughs> but I, I i think you're like making me kind of like even rethink the the first podcast i came in and i was like well will had this topic and I felt like it was something that I didn't really want to talk about. And then you came in. And then I came in this time. And I was like, <laughs> well, I have the topic that I actually want to talk about. But yeah. the beauty of that podcast and this one is that in a real conversation between real people, you never end up where you plan it. You can't no. set. There was one time this this sermon that this pastor had about, um, it was, I think, vaguely about evangelism. But he was like, you should write in, on an index card, like, how to have a conversation with another person. And it was like listing, you start with it. I can't even remember. It was yeah. kind of absurd to me that you would need an index card to actually know how to interact with someone yeah. else. But I think like often we go into conversations and say, here's the plan. Here's the three by five index card. Here are the things that we're going to talk about. We're going to be really efficient in it. But some of the best conversations and best insights come when you tear up the three by five index card and just sit down and talk. Yeah. For however long. If people just let go. Yeah. And just let whatever happen. Cause like when you when you have an agenda for a conversation, you close yourself off to potential things that you didn't see coming. Yeah. And and that's and just as a photographer too, that goes for taking photos. It's like if I adhere too much to my list of shots that I want to get, then I'm just going step by step and not really reading the room or paying attention. I'm just, I came in with my mindset and I'm just following that, you know, and we talked about a lot about that on Janessa's podcast yeah. as well, which is funny. It's just something on the forefront of my mind, which yeah. part of this podcast is to talk about, like get th like things on my mind. I want to, and I usually bring in, I have guests strategically, you know, around that. It's, it's crazy how that's worked out too. Yeah. It's like, there's something I'm wondering. And then I talk to a guest that could help get there for me you know like it's yeah. like help answer those questions so i don't know well i mean we went for like like uh it's like 50 minutes wow -ish. that's where really? we're at well we'll have to edit a little bit of air out of there that's you're answering your phone calls but. yeah i know living with parents right behind parents right yeah <laughs> you're yeah. with parents i'm just behind that's true yeah um it's uh but they're not my parents right though so um but anyway you have any last comments remarks i don't think social so. media plugs uh you can find me on instagram at okay. greg Steele law yeah i think i have a twitter that's active that's also greg Steele law i am not currently active on twitter but one of my new year's resolutions is to kind of get back into twitter not for the political discussions but there's a lot yeah. of helpful legal stuff out there so i want to get reconnected to the twitter legal community so i think i'm gonna the twitter legal community that's a that's a that's thing a, it's a thing okay. yeah wow okay wow i would like to know more about this community um oh man there's 
a lot of it is centered around like legal tech and innovation in the law. Legal tech. Yeah, well, man, we're really going to go off in left field now. <laughs> no, you, saw, you talked about legal advertising last time. I know, so I have but to talk like, about legal tech what, this time. I mean, just tell me quickly, what is legal tech? Like, what does that even it's a vague, entail? It's a vague um, term that's used to kind of encompass how uh, lawyers can leverage technology to become more efficient in their practice and serve a wider variety of clients. So, like, is it like you're basically saying, like websites and crap so it's websites i mean like the whole practice management software realm cloud software realm has exploded in the past five years which is basically like how can a solo or small firm um manage their client base um how can they Mm. you know make sure they're communicating um, makes all the documents get pulled in from Dropbox or box into the, that system. Some of it is what are different automation tricks that we can use to maybe speed up pleadings, maybe, um, more efficiently prepare a will, for example, using automation or, um, document automation, those sort of things. Um, there's one guy who's been like experimenting with a Facebook chat bot that hmm. could basically like answer legal questions if you programmed it correctly. So you're basically saying legal tech equals like lawyers using like general technology for their own purposes. Yes, and some of the specific, some of it's general technology, and some of it is like the rent, like certain software applications. Are there legal influencers? Uh, I don't know if you'd call them legal influencers, but there's definitely some like big names in that world. Are they like motivational type speak? Like, like do you have like a law- lawyer Instagrammers that are like? I don't think you have the lawyer Instagram world. No, there's okay. there's not really that. But yeah. there there are like some big. There's a few big blogs. There's a few big like names who run those blogs, um, and who are kind of like, these are the people in the legal tech practice management, legal practice management world. And they're all on Twitter, basically, okay. is, okay. is the thing. Kind of like journalists, I guess. Journalists are all on Twitter, too. Yeah. And and attorneys are known as like a very kind of... It's a text-based community. Well, text-based... Well, kind of the opposite way. They're, they're not known for adopting new technology. They're known for mm. like being very stayed in their ways and being very scared of change. And this group of lawyers is like, no, the world is changing. We have to change too. How can we do this? So a lot of those people are on Twitter. I'm kind of getting reconnected to that community. I've just been away for a while. I followed them really um, intently when I was a law student, had a lot of free time, um, a lot more free time to think about those things. And I'm kind okay. of getting back into, as you were saying, things that are on the top of your mind. I've been thinking a lot more about, particularly as I move back to a smaller town where um, clients don't always have the most money to pay for a lawyer. What are ways that legal tech can help provide some legal services to them? Because there's also also there's the whole world of um, what they call uh kind of low bono work so sliding scale payment fees Hmm. doing limited scope representation where it's like well what if i helped a person prepare their own 
complaint to go file in court, but I wouldn't represent them fully. It'd just be gotcha. like a 30 minute consultation to help them prepare this one legal document. Are you looking to disrupt? I, they, they love talking about. I just think this, of Kieran whole, Culkin in, in Succession uh, when he's like, "You guys are like me, a disruptor," you know, and he's like shoving food in his face. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, That's all I do on Twitter now is look at Succession memes. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that that was a long plug for my my Twitter. That mayor. It also probably contains a lot of like fantasy football references because there's okay. also a very vibrant fantasy football Twitter community that I was part of for a while. So I probably before just announcing my Twitter should probably go and do some due diligence on well, what's I, on there. I'm an extreme version of this um uh of this, but I am I I definitely am a proponent of mixing some personal in your business because I feel like people connect to stuff. So like I feel like having a only law thing or keeping some people out to where if you were like show, showed that like I am a real human, I'm into fantasy football. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like I I like I don't like like business only Instagram pages. Like yeah. I don't really follow them anymore. Like they, I just don't. I don't yeah. they're not interesting. I like following people who have right. businesses. And and that's, you know, why you see now big like influencers who don't have a business page they just have their own right. thing and that's kind of like i i do think that people are a little too especially around here in in bigger cities people are a little more understanding of it just because that's kind of the game right but in in places like anderson and greenville i've noticed that people are very rigid about like i have my business account for my company and i have right. my but really you're just a freelancer and it's your same person doing everything like add a little seasoning to it add right. a little flavor well yeah. i also like i literally work for the government now so it's well not now like... currently but i'm saying down the road potentially as you become uh you know law influencer greg <laughs> you know maybe uh maybe maybe add a little of that the succession memes here and there you know well and and that's why you know while while i'm on twitter i'm i i want to get back on for the succession memes and yeah. for the oh, fantasy football and for the legal community. So the, the su succession social media world is fantastic. Okay. I will say like I've been part of that. That maybe that'll be the third realm. I ventured yeah. into legal tech, I ventured into fantasy football, now I will venture into succession. Yes. On Twitter. No, succession great show. I can't I can't do politics on Twitter. That which no, is why I've been no, non no. non active on Twitter for a Same. very long time. Same. But I deleted I've, my old account because I made too many political comments. I was like, uh, I'm not going through this. So I deleted it and started <laughs> a new one. I just nuked it. <laughs> it was over. Either way, I am fairly active on Instagram. So Greg Steele Law there. Yeah. And if I do get my Twitter back up and running, I'm pretty sure that's also Greg Steele Law. But I got to go back and take a look. So that's yeah. where you can find me. Cool. After that long digression. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have probably plugged my stuff by now at the introduction at the top of this podcast so no need you've heard enough call to action from me so i will see you next time